Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. When Moses uh, revealed the, the commandments to the, to the Israelites, he said they needed to do three things. And he said, he said we need to listen, learn, obey. And I've already talked about listening and learning, and so today's the hard one, okay? Listening, you know, that's hard for some people, like like Caleb and those kind of young young folks, but learning learning is something that uh you know we can we can kind of do passively if we if we need to. But the obey part is is the part where where the action comes in. And so I remember it was six or seven years ago I was invited to a branding up in Wyoming. And it was a pretty big outfit, and, and we when we rode out real early one morning, and and uh, we were we were trotting probably by two in the morning, and you know in the dark, and it's kind of fun in those mornings because it, it's crisp and and uh, you can't see anything, but you can hear a lot, and and your your sense of hearing really gets tuned in, and so. You'd be trotting along, and next thing you know, you hear a, a horse jumping around, farting and bucking off in the distance, and, and you're listening for the thud. No thud comes, and pretty soon the horse comes back. And, and so we started, and I mean, we trotted probably for two hours to get to the backside of this pasture. And uh, so then we, we got there a little early, so it was still dark, so we just kind of sat there and waited around. And, and uh, finally the sun started peeking up over the horizon. And, and the cow boss, a lot of cow bosses are... Oh, the kind that don't really tell you what you're supposed to do. They, they just, you just get started, and then they yell at you when you do it wrong, rather than telling you how how they want it done. Luckily, this guy wasn't. He was a really good cow boss, and he, and he was very detailed about about the gather and how he wanted it done. And and he, he he was really emphatic about one point. He said, "When I drop you guys off, he said, you better get to the corrals in that same order." So. So each guy, he had, he had us positioned according to, you know, the people who knew the country and the people who were on a cult and the people who uh, kind of knew what they were doing. And, and so he said, when I drop you off, I expect you to get back to the, to the pens in the same order. Um, so he, he, started, he started descending us, and he would tell, tell us kind of the lay of the land where, where we were, each of us was going to ride. And he'd say, well, you've got to go down this draw and check out and then make sure you check over that hill. And, and it was big country, and so in country I didn't know. And so he put me kind of uh, toward, toward, I was one of the last ones he dropped off. And so I had a little bit further to ride. And uh, there was another guy that, that was there that, that uh, I didn't know. I didn't know a lot of the people. But, but he dropped this fellow off next to me. And, and, and this fellow, I had no idea who he was. Didn't know any, anything about his skill level or anything. But... Uh, you know, when you, when you do that, you you're riding your country, but you're always checking, and and you might ride to the top of the hill and make sure you the the person on your right is still around and they don't need help. Make sure the person on your left is still around, and it's not like you're riding together. It might be, you know, a quarter mile, half mile between you, and and sometimes when you're gathering big country like that, and and so I had no problem keeping track of the guy on my right. He was always where he was supposed to be, but I couldn't keep track of that guy on my left. And I'd, I'd ride back, and I'd ride around. I couldn't find him, and, and so I was just trying to do my country. And next thing I know, 
there's someone else next to me on my on my left and 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 it was a guy that was supposed to be one one over and so I couldn't do much about it but we got back to the we started getting back to the corrals where everybody was kind of gathered up getting those cattle together and and the guy that was supposed to be on my left was clear on the other side of the herd and so I'm like that's odd um so I, I noticed the cow boss when we got to the corrals kind of kind of looked at him a little bit funny. Well, everybody's kind of asking around, and evidently this guy was a, a friend of the owner of the ranch, and he was very wealthy, um, had bought a fancy horse, and, and had come along to play cowboy for the day. And so uh, then we started we started sorting the cattle, and and the cow boss was very distinct about his. His orders there too. He said he put us where we wanted. He said this is how we're going to do it. This is the way it's going to go. And uh, you know the the cow boss does this because he knows the cattle, he knows the corral, he knows the area, he knows how it's going to work and, and run smoothly. And so even if you don't agree with the way that he wants to do it, that's how you do it because that's where you are. If you don't agree with it, you can you can just not come back. Um, but when you kind of as you're in Rome, do, what, do as the Romans do. And so we started sorting these cattle, and, and, and that fella was doing his own thing again. He'd just kind of ride in there wherever he felt like it, whatever he wanted to do. And I could see the, the thermometer on the cow boss just getting higher and higher. The red started here, and I could see it just, just rising as we did that. And finally, we got, every, we got some, the cows sorted off, and, and uh, he started... We got the the branding fire started, and, and he and he started telling people, "Okay, you're gonna you're gonna do the groundwork. You're gonna brand. You're gonna vaccinate. You you group. You stay on your horse. And you're gonna rope." And I I was there when he told this fellow. He said, "He said I want you to I want you to you know give shots." And the guy says, "I don't want to do that." So I'm gonna rope. That's when the lid came off. <laughs> and this this cow boss was was really a nice guy, but he'd had it. And the and and the top blew clean off of his hat, and and uh, the the short of it, I won't tell the whole story, but the short of it was was the fellow was asked not so nicely to get on his horse, get his hindquarters out of there, and and go home, and so when when we're when we're asked to be in a group and 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 be a part of a crew. We're expected to obey. Okay, um, where to, to obey is to follow the commands or the guidance of the leader. Okay, and that's what we're, we're expected to do when we're part of a crew. Well, Jesus said, "Anybody that that obeys me is is my mother, and my brother, and my sister." Which means the people that obey him are part of his crew, and and we're expected to to. Uh, Start that action that I was talking about. The action is you listen, learn, and then the action part of the of the third part is is to actually obey. And it's and it's not always easy. Okay. In this in this day and age, a lot of people are you know the society itself is is, is all about independence and freedom, and you're you're not going to control me. Not, I'm not going to let anybody control me. Um, and so it kind of, being asked to obey kind of goes in the face of of kind of modern. Uh, Society, but uh, God has asked us from the beginning of time to obey, and, and, and the, His commandments still apply. And even though we're under a new covenant, uh, covenant with Jesus, we're still expected to obey the the, the original commandments uh, 
from the Old Covenant. In Matthew 5, it says, "If So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And that's Jesus speaking. So even though, even though we're, uh, we're, our salvation doesn't depend on, on keeping laws and keeping commandments, our relationship with Jesus does. It still does. So we're expected to obey God's commands, and we're also expected to obey Jesus' teachings. In John 9, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teachings will never die. Okay? So obedience is a cornerstone of Christianity. We can't, we can't have a relationship with him, with Christ, with God, without obedience. And it's, it's not always easy. I, I, love, I love the story of Jonah. Um, so Jonah was a prophet, and, and God asked him to go and, and uh, visit with the Assyrians. The Assyrians were Gentiles. They were, they were very wicked people. They were very uh, antagonistic toward, toward the Jews, Jews. And so God says, these people are getting so wicked that I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to wipe out their biggest city. And he, and he, so he tells John, he says, head east and go and, and talk to the Assyrians and, and see if you can get them to repent. Well, Jonah jumps right into action when he hears that. And he heads west. <laughs> he gets on a boat and, and heads into the Mediterranean. Okay? So, I mean, it's, it's clear disregard for God's uh, request. And it wasn't really a request. God told him to do it. But, but that, that's as blatant a disobedience as you can find. Okay? God tells you to go east and you go west immediately. And so... You know, he's on a boat, thinking, well, I got away. Next thing you know, a big storm comes up, and, and the crew is like, this, this is, this is uh, someone did something wrong here, because this storm is going to wreck the boat. We're all going to die. Who, who disobeyed God? Jonah says, well, I guess it was me. So they throw him overboard. And immediately the, the seas get calm, and Jonah sinks into the ocean, and he gets swallowed by a whale. And he gets to live in a whale for three days. Okay? And so then, and I think that's kind of three days of time out, right? You get to think about it a little bit. So three days in a whale, whale spits him out on the beach. Jonah says, okay, I, I got the picture. I, I guess I'll go west. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go do what you asked me to do. And, and it's funny because I don't know how many times in my life that I've been Jonah. God asked me to do something, and I'm like, mm-mm. I remember the first time I was asked to get up here and, and, and speak on stage. I'm like, I was running to the West. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do that because that's not, that's not what I want to do. Jonah didn't want to do it because he hated the Assyrians. He wanted to see them destroyed. Uh, so he, that's why he disobeyed God. He, he didn't want to do it because it's, it wasn't part of his agenda. Um, I think we, do, we all do that. Okay? We, we, we hear God's call and be like that's not really what I had in mind okay I don't want to do that I want to I want to follow God in my way I don't want to do it his way and so we wind up in blatant disobedience and then we wonder why we're in the belly of a fish for three days okay well God why are you doing this to me and then you know we get a little time to think about it and when when the whale spits us out we're like okay God now now I'll do what you told me to do but but it's it's a learning thing and it's 
it's uh it's something that we need to we need to do we we don't we don't want to obey out of fear we don't want to obey out of obligation uh because because it's just something that that uh we're forced to do we God wants us to obey him out of love okay he wants us to do it because we love him and because we know that he is is our is our lord and savior and because we know that he is all powerful and he gave us everything and and he wants us to obey him because we love him back for that so begrudging obedience is not obedience okay in Romans 7:16 it says don't you you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey you can be a slave to sin which leads to death or you can choose to obey God which leads to righteous living so we get to choose in our lives uh, God gives us free will doesn't doesn't force us to do anything now he might guide us a little bit kind of like he did Jonah but but we have free will to choose are, are we going to obey the 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 world we're going to obey the devil we're going to obey society or are we going to obey him and he says we be, we become a slave to whatever we decide to obey so we become a slave to God if we obey him we come we become a servant um and we can't serve two masters you can't serve god and the world you have to choose pick one it's not like we can just live in this gray area where where well like i'll obey some of the commandments you know i haven't killed anybody so i'm good uh the scripture says if we disobey one of them we've disobeyed all of them okay and that's pretty much everyone in here so uh you know in in these things there's, there's it's sometimes it's just difficult to get going uh in my life i i just didn't i remember back in in uh kind of like my college days i got i got away from an oppressive home life and decided i was going to go wild and crazy okay and i was like jonah i just like any time god asked me to go this way i went that way and my disobedience was was so blatant that you know it was it was really difficult to even go from there and even get started on the right path but uh you know all we got to do is try get get started doing one thing obey one commandment obey one of those whispers in your ear and it starts building momentum uh Heidi and I were were riding the other day together and and uh, we were talking about roping cattle and and how it's really difficult to drag a heavy cow with a horse when when the cow is stopped and the horse is stopped trying to get all that started is really difficult but if we can get some momentum in the cow if we can get the cow moving a little bit before we before we start dragging it into the trailer start dragging it for someone to heal it and if we can get our horse moving a little bit and get their feet going get that momentum pretty soon that that cow is light and they can drag that thing as far as you want it want them to And so getting that momentum started getting getting a little bit going um makes it to where it's not difficult and makes it to where it's not impossible. In Romans 10 it says the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. There's no excuse for not knowing, okay? Well, I don't I don't know how to obey God. I can't do that. The message is on your lips and it's in your heart. We know, right? The Holy Spirit is right there telling us like I uh had an opportunity to visit with Coy, my son the other day about the Holy Spirit and the, he was in a situation at school where the Holy Spirit talked to him and it was clear what what uh you know the, the spirit had told him you go this way it's going to be trouble you go this way it's not going to it's not going to be 
as much trouble, and, and it was very clear to him, and, and he had to make a choice. So, <coughs> if, if a straight line to the, to the cross is salvation, then disobedience is like a lot of the cults I get to ride. When, we, when you first start riding them, you can't get them to go straight anywhere. Getting a horse to go straight is one of the hardest things to do. They want to veer off this way. They, 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 have, a, they have a buddy over here they want to go to. They have a, there's, there's some grass over here they want to go to. There's, you know, something over there. There's something over here that spooks them. And, and, they, and so it's very difficult to get them to go straight. And I think that's how obedience is in our lives. When we, when we decide that we're going to start to obey God, there's a straight line. And it's straight to the cross. When we make those choices uh, to not obey, pretty soon the next thing we know we're distracted and we're going off to the left, we're going off to the right. And, and, and the result of that is destruction. In First Peter 2.8, it, it says, And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they don't, do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate that was planned for them. When we start drifting off, we, we meet the fate that was planned for us. Um, when we stay on the straight line, the rewards are great. The, the scripture, and I'm not going to read all of it, but it, it tells us that when we obey God, it leads to peace in our lives. It leads to more blessings than we can count, and it leads to a cleansing of sin. And so my hope for everybody is that we can make that step, get that momentum going, uh, listen to that Holy Spirit when when you know the little whisper you hear, you, some people call it a conscience, some people call it whatever. Uh, but when we hear that, we, we get free will right then to make a choice. Are we going to do what God tells us to do, or are we not? Sort of like when Caleb gets a call at 8 o'clock on Saturday night, and, and uh, says, Kevin says, hey, can you fill in for me tomorrow morning? Because I, I'm, I'm sick and I can't make it. It's obedience. And so uh, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to welcome up Caleb Connor. He's going to He's filling in for Kevin today. God, thank you so much for today and all the opportunities you give us to obey you and, and to, I'm just so thankful for free will that we're not forced to do any of this, that, that, that we're just asked to do it out of love for you and, and for each other. That's a blessing on this ministry and all those who, who help make it work and, and all those who give of their time, talent, and treasure that are, that are working for God and obeying his, his will and his commands. Please be with anybody who's struggling in this. And we know that, that the Holy Spirit is here to help us, and all we have to do is, is open our mouth and ask from the heart. Pray for Caleb so that God's words come through him, and, and uh, pray for ears and, and eyes and hearts to be open to the message. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning. So, you know, it's kind of funny. Kevin was talking about uh, Jonah. Kevin calls me last night, says, hey, man, I know you said you kind of had some stuff prepared. And I was like, well, I was kind of kidding about that. I don't really have it prepared. I've thought about having it prepared. And uh, he's like, well, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it tomorrow. You want to fill in? And, man, I said no. I said no. I said no. And then I finally replied to him. I was like, you know what? If I don't do it now, when would I do it? If not now, when? When are we going to serve? Is it in the future? Is it someday? Is it when everything works out or everything's perfect? If you don't do it now, you're not going to do it then. So that's why I'm here. So 
I need everyone to go out to your Jeeps and trucks and everything and grab the little pocket out of your glove box. And there's going to be a map in there of Colorado or wherever you're from. And you're going to need all that because we're going to be all over the map today. I'm just messing with you. So, once upon a time, I was younger than I am now. I was, shall we say, not, not very mature. Anyone can, can, can you guys uh, identify with that as a younger version of you that wasn't very mature? Hey, don't smile. You knew me back then. <laughs> so, I was thinking the other day about the tongue. I, uh, you know, we all have different gifts and talents that were given to us by God. And one of my talents and gifts and, and curses, I guess you would say, is, uh, is a quick tongue. Um, for a long time, I didn't use it for the, I guess, but I didn't use it all for God. I used it for myself. You know, quick comebacks, sharp remarks, an angry tone. I never intended to be that way. I never start, set out in my life to sound like an angry young man. But that's what it was. Inside, I wasn't. I just get excited. And man, when I get excited, I sound angry. So I, w- I was trying to think of what the exact date it was that I finally realized what I sounded like. And I couldn't remember exactly when it was, but there was something real important happened. I think it w- might have been when we had the fire up there in Chaparral. And uh, I was w- at work up in Byers. And uh, I was driving home a little bit faster than I probably should have. If you guys know, they just dirt roads out here. The speed limit's 35, and I might have been doing 36 or 37. But, uh, you know, there's billows of smoke coming out of the trees out there. So I call up to the house. No one answers. Just answering the machine. Well, I thought everyone was supposed to be home. So, man, in my excitement, I mean, I wasn't mad at anybody. But in my excitement, I was like, hey, get this, get the dogs, get this, blah, 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 blah. So I get home. Turns out we get all the fire done, blah, blah, blah. We get... um, move back into our house and uh, start looking at the, the answering machine. And, and luckily I did it because this was the point that, that changed my, how I heard myself. I sounded so angry. I wasn't. Why? Why did I sound like that? I'd never heard myself speak, especially in an excited tone like that. Man, if someone talked to me like that, I'd either bop them in the face or I'd be hurt really bad. One of the two. Man, it was kind of embarrassing. Um, and from then on, it was a, it was a slow, I uh, it was a very slow journey to get, not to where I am today, because I still do it, but to get to the point where I felt like I could communicate with people in a way where that would understand them and not just put up their defenses. I mean, I, man, I can yell at somebody. I can get after them and make them feel like they're the dumbest person in the world. What, what does that do? That makes me feel good about being right. Is that good? Not at all. So I'm going to stop there for just a second, kind of explain what my stuff here is for, because I know you guys are wondering. So, uh, we've been coming here for, what, about seven years with Kevin? Um, and I think they've mentioned a rope about every week. And I had a lot of, a lot of analogies and stories about ropes, but I think they just about used them all up. <laughs> um, I've got some cult stories, too, but I'm going to save them for another time when I have more, more time to put some effort into this. But um, just shooting from the hip, something that I know a lot about is guns. I know just about everybody in here, at least most of the fellas that I talk to are pretty average sportsmen, shooters, just, just crazy country people mostly. Um, so here's, here is a, um, a picture of, of what I was as a young man. I liked, at, at the church I used to go to as, as a kid, 
there was a, a young lady there that her and I used to, to argue back and forth all the time just for fun. We just, it, it was in joking, but it created, it, it enabled this, this skill inside of me to come back like this. And, you know, oh, you're going to insult me? I'm going to double insult you. Yeah, take that. And then it just build and build and build until it was like, oh, okay, well, this is getting stupid. We better stop. And then someone said something to me one time that was kind of an insult, but they didn't mean it that way. And I come back like that, cut him down to his knees. That was Anthony and Jennifer's son, Aiden. And he wasn't ready for that. And man, that just killed me inside. I'm like, man, I can't like take that back because it was kind of true and doesn't even mean I needed to say it. But man, I just tore his heart to pieces. This was me. These are all unloaded. I've checked everything. They all have chamber flags in them. It has no stock. It's got a short barrel. It's not real accurate. It's meant to put rounds downrange really, really fast. Holds a lot of ammo. That was my mouth. It was a trigger that goes off like this. It has a sight on it. that will pick out exactly what I want to hit in an instant. It doesn't take any effort. It was a reactionary mouth. And this is what I was doing to people. Just spraying willy-nilly. The muzzle brake I have on the end of it. All the holes in it go forward. So even the people that I was talking to, saying I'm, I'm using bullets as an analogy for my words, so I know this is kind of abstract, but just stick with me. But all the excess gases of this thing also go forward and hit everybody else around me. Even if I don't mean to say something to you, but I hit, you know, if I, if I insult Ty in a way that hits his entire family because of the way that I say it, is that, is that Christian-like? Is that what I need to be doing? Absolutely not. I'm trying out something else new today. I, uh, I remembered how small this, this podium is last time when I tried to have notes and my Bible, and I kept losing everything. So I tried to put it all on my phone. So we'll see how well this works. But um, Proverbs 29.20 says, Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Who here has read, read the book of Proverbs? seems as if every other verse throughout the entire book is contrasting a wise man with a fool. A man hasty in his words is worse than the fool, that they dedicated the entire book of contrast to the worst person, excuse me, worst person that you can be. Man, man, that's, that hits right here. How many of you say things out of reaction, out of a need to be heard? What good does it do? Does it make you feel better about having an opinion about something? Was that necessary? It sure wouldn't for me. So what do we do? Well, this thing's got a safety on it. Nothing happens when you put the safety on. Maybe some of us need to do that. So, Caleb, what's the point? If that's not what we're supposed to do, what are we supposed to do? Well, if I were to pick anything in the future that I wanted to be, this would have to be it. So I'm involved in some... Uh, some um, national shooting matches um, called the PRS. And um, it's full of rules. And they tell us things that we can and cannot do, and they are not negotiable at all. Some of the most hurtful things that you can do is speak when it's not your turn. If there's someone up, you know, talking with, with a neighbor, say, here, having coffee. By the way, whoever brings all that coffee every week, thank you. I really appreciate that. You walk up 
And you're like, yeah, man, I agree with you. Man, that guy's a dirtbag. You know what he did to me? He didn't wave at me at the stop sign the other day. He's unfriendly. He's grouchy. What the heck? Now you're tainting their image of that person because of your, your need to express yourself. What good is that? It's not your turn to talk. So whenever we shoot matches, you have different stages. There's usually about 10 people in a squad. You all take turns timing each other and um, running through stages as you go through the course. If you, shoot, if you get on, a, on the barricade and start shooting when it's not your turn, guess what? You get a match disqualification. $275 match fee, 200 rounds, all your uh, you know, time driving, your spot. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to get into these things. And your spot is taken. Do you want to blow that by saying things out of turn? By talking about someone behind their back? Why? Why would we want to do that? You know, the coolest thing about this in, in regards to our mouth is, I'm going to shoot one at a time. It doesn't spray bullets willy-nilly. Proverbs 10:19 says, When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Shut up. Why did I bring my tripod? Because if I take this thing off of here, I'm just as inaccurate with this as I am with that. Just because I'm saying less words doesn't make them any less wrong, right? If I have a solid foundation, things not going anywhere. No matter what I do, it's still going to stay within a certain radius. I mean, it's not a perfect analogy, so stick with me a little bit. Even when I'm laying down, I've got legs to stand on. I have something to support me. This chassis right here is made out of a solid block of T6 aluminum. doesn't look like it because I painted it up so it wouldn't blacken, wouldn't scare you guys. <laughs> but there's no way for this action to move within this thing unless I unt or, you know, take these screws out. It's a solid foundation. If, if I loosen them up, if I try to get out of that foundation, which is scripture, I can screw it up anytime. Guess what? I can take this suppressor off. And I can still hurt the people around me. Even though I have a solid foundation in the way that I say things to the people that are around me, I can still cause collateral damage that I don't need to. I can remove the foundation and turn it back into a pistol-like gun. Why? Why would I choose to fire off rounds and waste opportunities in this life that I have to say things in a way that would bring people closer to God? Why would I impose my inaccuracies and anger? And there's no point to it. Some of you all might need one of these. You know what this is? This is a chamber flag. I've got one in both of them. What's it for? So when we're walking around, all these guys with guns, preoccupied with making sure that our, our data is correct for engaging targets, that we don't forget and leave something in the barrel. It's kind of hard to get back in there in case you can't tell. But the, um, the thing that, that, that it does for everyone else, it's like, hey, that gun's unloaded. It puts us at ease around each other. Not that we don't trust anyone else, but mechanical, you know, the safety only works so well. It's, it's easy to knock that off. If you have a chamber flag in there, there's no way for this thing to go off. Maybe there's some people in your life that, that you've gone off about. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your brother. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe they need to know that you have a chamber flag. Say, hey, I was wrong. I'm kind of putting my mouth in timeout. I'm not going to say things off the cuff at you anymore. 
And I want you to forgive me because that's not who I am. That's not what's in my heart. And I know you can't see that because the side of me that you see is an angry person. But I'm working on what's in here to get to here, not just what's in here. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained a brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then let him be as a Gentile and a tax collector. So that changes subjects a little bit. But I want to focus on the first part. If you have a problem with somebody, do you need to go and tell Anthony? Do you need to go tell Ty? Do you need to go tell Robert? About what they did to you? What does that do? Causes divisions in the church. I don't like that. We got enough problems. We don't need people dividing people just to make themselves feel better about an opinion, about something they, they shouldn't be spreading, right? Man, I love each and every one of you, but if, if one of you guys comes to me with something about someone else and you haven't talked to that person, that sharp tongue Caleb's going to come back out, and that's probably going to be justified. You don't need to be doing that. The image of this church in the community is so important. Not that we change just to, to pander to what they think of us, but if they think of us as a bunch of hypocritical, backstabbing people, which most churches have that, have that reputation. You know, a while back, I, I used to work down here in Ray, my friend at Smith Ranch for a while, and I, uh, I decided I wanted to see some country, so, so I sold, uh, sold all my, my heavy gear and stuff. I kept one trailer and a few horses and my dogs and, and all my guns, of course. And uh, I loaded up, and I, I went around to see the country. I got jobs. Uh, I'd go calve out heifers here and then work summer pasture there. Shipping in the fall. In the wintertime, I'd usually come back home and see family and stay warm and do leather work and shoot stuff. Then I'd start all over. But the coolest part about all of that was being able to see all the different churches in the country. All the little towns that you never would have seen. They're not on a highway. Man, one place up there in Hyannis, Nebraska. <laughs> shoot, I was 65 miles from a gas station, let alone a town. I mean, it was, it was just, I mean, half the time I put red diesel in my truck because that's all they had. <laughs> If you don't know what red diesel is, don't worry about it. The one thing that I saw throughout all those different churches was if, if, if their church family, if they were close and they spent time with each other, the image of that church in that community was a glue. It held everybody together. If it, was, you know, if, if it got to be where they would just come and show up and it was a real dry sermon that didn't mean anything to anybody, Everyone would just go home and be like, oh, did you see what so-and-so was wearing last week? Who cares what they're wearing last week? I mean, I've seen church splits because they couldn't vote on the same color of hymnals. I'm not kidding. How petty is that? If, is, if that's what the world sees as a church that's going to argue and split and ruin lifelong friendships over the color of the carpet and the hymnals, how shallow are we? That was a real, real interesting tangent. I'm not sure how I got there. But... <laughs> <laughs> Matthew seven twenty four through 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, and it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. As the rain fell and the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall with it. If we know what to do, but we don't do it, kind of like that right there. If we know what to do and we kind of do it, 
We're like this right here, but we don't do this. All we can, all we can aim is right there. Or maybe we're like this. We take it all off. Lean on our own understanding to have an opinion on things. I want my words to be valuable. Who here has a dog? Oh, that's a lie. I know more of you guys have dogs than that. Jeez. <laughs> if you yell at your dog every day for everything that he does, when he really does something bad, is he going to listen to you? No, because he's used to it. It doesn't mean anything. Kind of some way for, for kids, too, for those of you that are parents. I mean, I've, I don't have any kids of my own. I've, I raised a few of my brothers, though. I found out if, if you're always harping on them and always railing on them and telling them what dirt bags they are, even if they are, <laughs> that when they're really doing something bad, what you, well, your words mean less to them if you're quiet and say things that, that have authority based off Scripture. When they listen to you, it's going to mean something. It's going to stick with them. Galatians five sixteen and 17 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you, so that you are not sure whatever, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Sorry. So we have a foundation. This is Christ, and this is Scripture. He's laid out the rules for us. He's laid out guidelines for how we're supposed to treat each other. I shouldn't have to be up here and tell you this. You guys should all be like, okay, what, what else, Caleb? I mean, we already know that. We're all, we're all perfect. We don't say mean things. Well, I know that's not true, but that's what we should be. Because I have the same scripture you do, right? Right? Yes, Caleb, yes. <laughs> so what else do we have that helps us? This is a, a Garmin 701. This is the Holy Spirit. So each one of us have gifts, talents, and abilities. Each rifle has a specific set of parameters that it runs. Each one's different. This happens to be a six Creedmoor. When I put the information from myself or from this rifle, same thing, into this, the Holy Spirit knows what answer to give me for me, for what I need to do for every circumstances. When the rains came, the storms come, and the winds blow, this tells me where to aim. If I take the information from this and dial to what I need to, what it tells me to, and hold the right wind, it will hit. If I screw up, that's on me. And I do, I, I screw up a lot. <laughs> but this is always there. This is always right. If there's inaccuracies, it's, it's my fault. It's not that fault. Or, well, it's not, the, it's not Scripture's fault, so I don't mean to point at that. Scripture is solid. The information is solid. I am the variable. Whether I allow Christ to speak through me and use the Holy Spirit to, to change my words into words that, that edify and build up and encourage each other. Galatians 5.22 The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Yeah, Caleb, we've heard that. Half of you are probably singing some Fruit of the Spirit song that you learned in Sunday school from 15 years ago. It's a pretty real list. It applies to every one of you. Not just me. It's not just Scripture. It's not a feel-good verse. These are requirements. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, full of myself. 
Let us not be provoking and envying of each other. How many times do we say something about someone else because we're jealous of what they have? Oh, man, he's got a nice truck, yeah, but it's probably money he got from his uncle or something. How do you know that? Maybe they're hardworking. Maybe they have a good job. Maybe they did their, their homework. And guess what? If their uncle did give them that truck, who cares? Who cares? Galatians, or Ephesians three sixteen and 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through the spirit in your inner being. So Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people and grasp how wide, how long, how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. What is this all about? What is the one thing that glues this whole mess together? Is love. If I talk to you guys without love, what, it, what, it, what am I saying? My words have no value. If I'm not trying to help you, why am I talking to you? If I'm, not, if I'm trying to tear you down, what good does that do you? That makes me feel better. And that's an innate human flaw. Why is it that if I tell Koi I don't like his shorts, that makes me feel better? They're pretty awful shorts, though, Koi. You look like you're going shopping at Walmart. Love you, buddy. Hebrews four twelve. For the word of God is sharper for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of the souls and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and the discerning thoughts and tents of the heart. I'm just about finished, but each one of you will be thinking about your words as you're having conversations after we're done. And you gotta ask yourself, why, why am I saying this? Like, man, should I say that? You can talk yourself into just about anything. The good thing about being able to argue with other people, and I can also pretty good at arguing with myself. <laughs> I usually win too. But no, the scripture is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I, I was going to do this whole thing on a sword, but I don't have one. So the best thing I have is this. This thing is the sharpest knife I have ever owned in my life. The sand my steel is folded and then ground into this thing. And man, I tell you what, this thing will flat cut. And it's only got one side. This is a stinking pocket knife. Imagine if I had a three-foot, you know, Scottish claymore, sharpened razor sharp. That's what scripture is. It divides your words of right from the wrong, even to the joints and the bones and marrow. You know, the bones and marrow, those are pretty much the same thing. Marrow is inside your bones. If it can divide to that, how can it not decipher between ill intent and good intent in your words? Kind of a depressing sermon for you there. But we need it. If we're going to love each other, we have to use our mouth, don't we? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the weather that you've given us and the water for our grass. Thank you for this country where we can all get together and talk freely of these things. We're not hiding in some basement like those in China right now. Lord, bless our communication with each other this week and help us to guard our mouths against slander and gossip and malice and anger and selfishness. In your name, amen.